Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Raphael Jokovin. How are you doing, Raphael? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you, Sam? Yeah, all good, thanks. Just enjoyed Easter. Uh, over to you, James Brook. We've also got him joining us. How are you doing, James? Oh, Sam. All good. Nice and sunny here. So, enjoy the weekend of football. Looking forward to, to chatting about it. Yeah, yeah, it's been a nice weekend. Um, and, and how about you, Francesco Amesbury? We've also got you. How are you doing? I, I'm well, thanks, Sam. It's nice to be here. And yeah, buona pasqua a tutti. <laughs> Top stuff. Okay, well, let's get cracking. And we're going to start uh, with the league leaders, Inter, who played the final game of the weekend, actually, sort of starting back to front. But um, they edged past Bologna 1-0. Only goal of the game coming for Romelu Lukaku. You know, he's he's often getting into out of little sticky situations. Um, what did you make of the game, Raphael? Going to come to you first. Um was it another sort of grinding out performance from Inter? Um, or who, who sort of stood out for you during this match? Yeah, I mean, it was a sort of game that they would have lost last season or the seasons before, you know, especially when especially when their direct rivals were dropping points earlier in the afternoon. You know, and the scene was set for Inter to, you know, somehow backfire and, uh, and drop points, but they didn't. Really, it was the ideal scenario for them because they got, you know, they got through the match with minimal effort, which is pretty important when you consider the fact that they're going to play midweek for the first time in a while. So they they would have needed to rest up a bit, especially with their players going back from international duty. So, yeah, I mean, the, the whole, you know, the game couldn't have gone any better for them. You know, they got they got the job done, and um, I mean, in terms of in terms of individual players, I don't think anyone really had a standout performance. Maybe maybe Bastoni in defence um, seems to have really stepped up these past few weeks and he played it very well again. He got the assist for the goal by uh, by you know, by going up the pitch. But in general, he's been he's been marshalling the defence very well. He's sort of emerged as a sort of leader in the defence these past few weeks, and obviously he's got he's really he's done really well like going forward as well. So I'd pick him out, obviously, other than Lukaku, who's sort of ever-present. Yeah, just touching on Bastoni, um, I'm going to come to you, James, for this one. Do you think perhaps he has a decent chance of being in the Italian starting lineup for the Euros this summer? If we're looking at that left-sided centre-back role, of course you've got Chiellini, but we all know about his injury problems the last couple of years. You've also got Francesco Acerbi, but has Bastoni really put his hand up to maybe make that place his own at this Euros and then moving forwards for Italy? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you say, there are a couple of options there for Mancini. So there is a maybe a space there to, to kind of nail down. He's young enough to have, you know, to, to make that his own over the next few years. And I think performing like he is into flying at the top of the table, it'd be difficult to look past really if he carries this on through the summer, or sorry, for the rest of the season, then yeah, definitely he's got every chance of uh, of starting for sure. Yeah, I think Mancini didn't give too much away during the last international break. He sort of used a lot of different combinations in that defence. So it'll be intriguing to see what he does finally go with come June. Um but as, as we've mentioned, Lukaku did get the winner. I know the last couple of years in particular, there's been a bit of controversy about 
you know, Serie A MVP. Of course, Ronaldo got it a couple of years ago. Was that deserved or was that just because of the name? Um, and then last year, Dybala got it when, of course, Ronaldo was also in the running and, and Papu Gomez. Francesco, do you think there's any debate over Lukaku getting it this year? Um, I, th- I My vote would be for him, yeah. I think he's had the biggest impact on a team. I don't think any other players had a bigger impact on, on the team that they've been playing for. I know that statistically you could argue that some of the players, maybe Ronaldo has, has scored more goals, for example, have been better in certain areas. But in terms of how much of an impact and how much a team misses a player when they're not there, Lukaku probably has the, the biggest influence on, on the side that he's playing for. So for me, yeah, he's... And, and Inter, it looks like they're going to win the league. So he probably has, has had the biggest impact on the season as a whole out of all the players. Yeah, I think for me, when I'm looking at kind of player of the season, you try and look at who's who's been the best team, Inter by a mile, who, who's been their best player, most important player. As Francesco says, it's, it's Lukaku. You can't really look past him for it. He's kind of the symbol of this team in many ways. Um, he's kind of a leader in there. He's he's top scorer, obviously, and he he's come to kind of symbolise symbolise that squad. I think Barella's probably one who's, who's worth a shout, possibly. I think he's been excellent. Uh, he's been driving them on, really, as well. So I think it, it will be Lukaku, because it does tend to be uh, one of the big names as well, as someone to, to, for Syria to kind of stick stick it on. And uh, Lukaku is surely kind of the figurehead for that, really. But I'd say Barella might be in with a shout as well. Beyond that, it's it's a bit tricky to, to say, really. Obviously, Ronaldo's been putting up the numbers again. Um, but yeah, he's not really been good enough <laughs> on the whole. Uh, so I'd, I'd probably give it Lukaku. I don't know what, what Raf thinks, whether he's got a different opinion or are we, we go, we're giving it to Lukaku early. Yeah, I would agree, to be honest. I can't really see any any other player emerging from now, but between now and the end of the season to really challenge him. The only thing I might add is that uh, we've, we've just spoken, you know, you guys have just spoken about the inter-defence and certainly at this time of the season, and in the second half of the season, it feels like um, a lot of the winning of this title, if it turns out to be a win, has been because of how well they've defended. I think uh, they've conceded three goals in their last 11 games. Uh, so in the second half of the season, they have been the best defence. I think only Juve have conceded fewer goals over the whole season, but that's only by a goal now. And uh, and those all of those defense, defenders you know, would deserve a mention and, and have certainly been... Certainly, the defence as a whole has been ha- as important as Inter's attack, if not more important, especially in the last few games when their play has been a bit sketchy, but they have been keeping clean sheets. Yeah, I think what will probably give Lukaku the edge is probably the consistency across the whole season. I think, James, you, you mentioned Barella, and certainly around sort of the turn of the year, he was in delightful form. Um and with Inter's defence, as you said, also in recent weeks, that has been exceptional. But they did have some issues at the start of the season. It's hard to really say when Lukaku's had an off period because there just hasn't really been one. So that's why he will probably get the nod, it seems. Um, we're now going to move on to, you know, you've all been saying, oh, Inter's title, because it does seem that way. And that's because Juventus again slipped up on the weekend. Uh, they played just before Inter, of course. Really good game, this one, actually, that sort of two, uh, sort of went back and forth a bit. Um, Torino managing to hold Juve to a draw two all in the derby, a, a rare point for them in this fixture. Um, Raphael, going to come to you. Um, 
is Pirlo running out of time or do you think that Juventus will stick with him no matter what going into this summer and will really back him in the transfer window? I think they will just because, you know, they haven't really got much of a choice. I think that, you know, this 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 summer isn't really, you know, the summer for any team to make big changes and big investments considering they've, well, considering the their payroll is already quite big. I think they'll try and they'll try and give the Pirlo experiment another year or so. Um, unless maybe they drop out of the Champions League places, in which case, yeah, it will definitely be, they'll definitely have to make some sort of change. I mean, I've, I've, I've been disparaging Pirlo this, uh, these past few weeks, but in fairness, in this particular game, you know, the circumstances weren't really in his favour. I mean, in terms of the absences, you had um, you had the three players who went to that that who had that dinner party midweek, uh, McKenny, Dybala, and uh, and Arthur, who uh, obviously though they were, I think Arthur was was injured anyway, but um, I think yeah, Dybala and McKenny would have probably been useful in this match and. Um, yeah, and well, and Bonucci as well, who, who tested positive for COVID. So you ended up having Danilo playing in midfield, which obviously wasn't very ideal. And um, yeah, I, I think we've, we've just we've we saw the the same sort of you know the same sort of issues that they've been having all season, really, in terms of a stale midfield. Um, the wings not really not really bringing much to the table, and um, yeah, just. Lack of really a lack of, sort of incision when they do go up, go up. I think Kiez has been the shining light these past few weeks, and we we saw that again in the in the match. You know, it's his sort of initiative taking down the left to sort of break through and and score that opening goal. But other than that, yeah, it's it's too many errors in midfield, too many errors in general, really. And uh, I mean, I I'd like to see Pirlo change it, and you know sort of mould the team in his image, whatever that whatever that image is really. But yeah, I mean I feel I think they're gonna I think they're gonna keep hold of him, but will will that benefit them? I'm not too sure. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that there were a few mistakes around the team. Of course we saw Kulusevsky making the error in the lead up to uh, the second goal. But uh, someone who did make a couple of uncharacteristic errors was Wojciech Szczesny. Um James, going to come to you on this one. Over the past week, we've seen how um, Gianluigi Donnarumma at Milan, there's been a lot of talk about, is he going to sign a new contract at, at, uh, at Milan? His contract there is up this summer. So based on those couple of errors, you know, would it be too harsh for Juve to sort of dispose of Chesney this summer and really go all in for Donnarumma? Or should they stick with Chesney, who, in fairness to him, has been excellent the last sort of three years for them? Yeah, he has. But I think, I mean, if, if you're basing it on those two errors, it, definitely, of course, it's harsh. But I think there's there's more beyond that. And he has been very good the last couple of years, but in my opinion, he's, he's never really felt like a top, top keeper. Um, if you're talking about the best kind of keepers in the world, I don't think he's in that bracket. I think he's possibly in a, a lower kind of rung. Um, but I, I do think it's time that they do replace him. Yeah, and with Donnarumma, sorry, looking like he's going to be available, it makes perfect sense in my opinion, to go for him. He's still young. Um, amazingly, I think, is he only 22 or 21? He's 
been around yeah, for such 20, a 22, born in 99, I believe. So yeah. he's got such such experience for a young man, but he can go on and be the, the number one at Juve for, for 15 years even. And he's going to be the Italian, the first choice keeper for that time, length of time or unless something drastic, somebody else comes up. So from Juve's point of view, that's what they want. They want the, the top players in the country. It makes a lot of sense to me. It ticks a lot of boxes. And I don't think, I mean, it's been fine when you're breezing the league, you're winning the league every year. Um, a keeper like Chesney, he's, he's, he's palatable, he's fine, he'll do a good job. And he has been good. But I think when you're not doing so well and when you're, you're struggling a little bit, you need a top keeper. That's when it really makes a difference. And I think like link it a little bit to kind of Handanovic's situation at Inter. Obviously, he's been there so long. He's He's been a great servant, but I've never had him in that top bracket of keeper. Um, so I think it would make a lot of sense for Inter to go for Donnarumma. Obviously, that's that's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think they've got a job trying to convince him at Milan uh, that if Juventus are coming in for him, I think they've got a job convincing him that not to go. Um, but we'll see. Who knows? He's a good keeper, but for me... You want the top keeper, he's not in that bracket. Yeah, I, I actually disagree with James a little bit on this one. Ah. I think uh, <laughs> I think Chesney, since he's been in Italy, really has improved a lot as a keeper. I know he, he had a bit of a shaky time in the Premier League when he was with Arsenal, but at, in Italy and especially at Juve, he has improved loads. And for me, he has become one of the top keepers in the division. The mistakes he made on the weekend, I would say, are now uncharacteristic. He doesn't generally make errors. In the last few seasons, he's made some huge saves in big games to, to really make a difference for them. And I've never actually felt this season what Juve need now is to change their keeper. That's never been my concern for them. There are other areas of the pitch where I feel they need attention. And the other thing about buying Donnarumma, apart from the fact that I'm not sure he would go there, he keeps saying he's a big Milan fan. I think it would real, be a real gut punch to the Milan fans if he went to Juve. But he is commanding, because of the situation he's in, you know, his contract's running out, he's got Mino Raiola as an agent. He's commanding huge, huge wages. Realistically, next season, he's going to be, if he stays in Italy, he's going to be either the most paid player if Ronaldo leaves or the second most paid player in the division. We're talking about 10 million plus. And if you ever take on another wage of that size, I think it will really restrict them in other areas of where they're able to spend money and bring in other players. So... If I was Juve, I don't think there's anything wrong with Chesney. I still think he's young enough. I still think he's playing well. He had a pr pretty rubbish game this weekend, but generally he's been good. And that's not an area where I would look to to re you know to to pick someone up. Only thing I would say is um I agree with you, Francesco. I do think Chesney's been very good for Juventus. Only thing I would say is would you maybe say of the three seasons where he's been first choice? this has been his least impressive because I'm thinking, I remember um, in particular, maybe the, when Juve played Ajax and he was Juve's best player by a mile in that time, really kept the score down. Um, but then we think this season, the weekend, the goal against Porto, which ultimately cost Juve going out of the Champions League. Could he have done better from that free kick? Are these errors starting to creep in a little bit more, would you say? I think there, you know, you, you're probably right that this has been his least impressive season, but I don't think it's so bad that that is an area where you will need to change things immediately to, to have a chance of winning again. I think, you know, really for me, the midfield area is where they need to, to sort themselves out. And if you, if you bring on a, a wage of 10, 12 million euros, I know you'd get Donald Moore for free, but if you're then having to pay him that much money, 
I think it restricts you from being able to bring in top players in other areas of the pitch. So I wouldn't go for it. I think Chesney is fine for, for where they are now. He's a, he's a good keeper. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, when you put it like that, obviously it's, you make a good argument. I, I mean, just to respond, I would say that ordinarily, maybe, maybe not, maybe, of course, there are other areas, but when you've got a keeper like Donnarumma obviously available, I know it's going to be big wages, but let's not pretend that Juve couldn't stretch to that if if they needed to, if they really felt that they wanted it. I think when you've got a, a keeper of such a, already such standing, but such potential uh, available for for no transfer fee, I think you go all out for him, regardless of. I mean, if you've got Oblak in there, if you've got maybe Ter Stegen, Allison, you probably don't. If you've got someone like Chesney, I, I think you you probably do. Look at it and go. Well, here's a unique opportunity to have a player like Donnarumma. I think you do it, but yeah, I understand he has been excellent. And if you, do, a lot of people here in England will judge him based on his Arsenal days, and, and they don't realise he has come on so much since then. Um, but I do think that there are better keepers out there, and Donnarumma, I think, is one of them. I thought that would be a healthy debate, and and it certainly was. I think that's very interesting. I think we're we're possibly talking about the two best keepers in the league. So, uh, yeah, of course, that's, that's very interesting. Um, but I do want to also touch, of course, on Torino. This was a really good result for them, actually. Um, Raphael, from your point of view, how impressed were you with them, considering they're really up against it, trying to, you know, get out of this relegation dogfight? Did you think they were really good or was it more of Juventus being so far below par? I mean, it was a bit of both, really, but... There's, I mean, it's clear that there has been improvement under Nicola. I think, especially since the well, since the January window, actually, you know, you've had Mandragora and um, and Sanabria coming in, and they've clearly had an impact. And I, I mean, generally, what's what's impressive with Torino is that they have actually got quite a lot of depth in attack. You know, you've got you've got Bellotti, but they compare him with. They can pair him up with, you know, they've got three, four, let's say, mid-level strikers who can come in, you know, at different parts of the season, depending on who's who's in form and who's not, and do a job. So you, you had Sanabria this week, who scored the double. You had, um, you had Zaza two weeks ago, who scored a double as well. And then before that, you know, at the start of the season, you had Bonazzoli, who was doing, who was doing quite well. And they've got those options which is obviously quite, you know, quite, quite good for for a club that's in their position. You know, that's that's a very good option to have, especially when you know when the other teams around the relegation zone are you know potentially struggling for goals. So I think that's an asset that's probably going to you know have them pull through. And I mean, in in a general sense, I think you know the whole squad has picked up. Let's say you know they 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 picked up form. I mean, Sirigu, we saw it was he came up with a brilliant save from a from a Bentancourt shot. I think it was early in, early in the first half. And um, but to me, Sirigu at the start of the season was just he just kept letting goals in. Clearly, he sort of you know he's he's improved not just him obviously the the defense in general the midfield. And I think what we're seeing is a more coherent setup so yeah I think they've they've, been, they've definitely improved and they are on track to, to stay up 
yeah, cool. they're, they're a couple of points clear of relegation at the moment with, with a game in hand as well. We, we'll have to see when that Lazio game uh, does take place. But um, I'm now going to move on to the other horse in this title race, uh, although it is quickly becoming a one-horse race, um, and that's Milan. Uh, they were the early kickoff on on Saturday, held to a one-all draw by Sampdoria, despite Sampdoria playing the last half an hour with 10 men. James, going to come to you. Um, this weekend, Milan couldn't really blame it on injuries. That has been an issue for them the last couple of months, but they were not too far from full strength. Do you think Pioli's being too loyal to his players? You know, I'm, I'm thinking sort of Castillejo not really doing it. Chalanoglu not at his best right now. Even Teo Hernandez had a bit of a shocker, to be honest. Does he need to mix it up to stop this rut that they've got themselves into? Possibly, but I think the, the danger then is that you you mix it up and at such a crucial part of the season... There's no saying what will happen if he mixes it up. They have been successful despite kind of the form this year. The rest of the season, they have been successful with with those players. I mean, Castilejo, I've never thought he's good enough for Milan, to be honest. Um, but yeah, the trouble is if you if you if you try and change things, you start to is it you know you start to cave and you start to play players who haven't been playing as much, who are maybe a little bit not quite match fit as they, as they could be. You, you could still lose games and, and all of a sudden the pressure's then on Pioli and uh, why did he change it, you know, and, and things like that. So it, you, do you stick or do you twist? I think that's where the manager makes his money. For me, I'm not sure that they, they were fully, uh, quite a full strength. I know they, they've maybe not got as many injuries as they have, but they, you look at the players that were out, they're still, you know, Diaz was out, um, Liao was out. Um, you know, there's there's one or two. Calabria is still a, a miss for them, I think. Salamakas isn't a right back. Um, so I think there are still a mitigating circumstances in that respect. And I think it's just too it's too much uh, squeaky bum time to try and change things too too much. I think you, you try and you have to go with what you what's been successful. Um, I know the other boys want to jump in, so I let them uh, let them <laughs> let them take it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll... What I was going to say is I think um, I think one of the things that is weighing on Milan now is the psychology of the situation has changed a little bit. When they were flying early on in the season, even though they were top of the league and they, they were defending a lead, they were essentially playing without pressure because they were punching so much above their weight. They were, they were so much higher than their expectations pre-season. There was no pressure for them. But all of a sudden, they have something to lose because not only have they dropped away in the title race, but they're only, I think, three points ahead of Napoli in fifth now. So there is a real chance that they drop out of those Champions League places. And it feels like there is so much riding on Milan qualifying for the Champions League this season because they have so many of these young players who could stay, but they could also leave if they, they don't have Champions League football, if Milan can't afford to pay their wages. This week, for example, there's, there's obviously been a lot of talk about whether Donnarumma is going to hang around. And one of the things that might stop him hanging around is if Milan don't qualify for the Champions League, both because he wants to play Champions League football, but also to be able to afford his wages. Milan needs that economic you know, input from those Champions League games. And so all of a sudden, from having nothing to lose and you know, we're out in front and we can just play freely, there's this pressure, there's a tension that, that wasn't there at the, in the first half of the season. If you, if you look at the players that played, a lot of them had pretty good... Um, weeks with the international games you know Ibrahimovic got a couple of assists Chanel Oglu had uh, I think goals and assists in his games for Turkey so 
those players are playing well, but now when they're back in Milan, there's a tension because all of a sudden the, the teams behind them are catching up and they have something to lose for the first time in the season, really. Yeah, I think it's I think it is a bit of a mental uh, a mental issue as well. I think we saw um I mean the best example of it was uh, Ben Nasser doing doing a bunch of interviews with different media um, like media stations and and outlets in the week in the week running up to the uh, to the game. And obviously he was he was talking about, you know, how, uh, how you know Milan's ambitions and uh, and whatnot. And then you had Antonio Conte in his press, in his pre-match press conference, saying, "You know, we we don't talk; we just get on with him, put get our heads down." And I mean, obviously, that is a bit of a it's a bit of a slight dig from Conte, but I think there is a bit of truth in it, in the sense that it is new; it's a new sort of uh, new sort of stage for the Milan players to be in a title race. I mean, not so much anymore, but at least being this high up. And they don't—they haven't really—they haven't really known how to how to handle it. Nor 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 has Pioli. Pioli's come under a lot of pressure in the, in the Italian media these past few days, actually, over how he's handled the second half of the season. And you know, having having Ibrahimovic there isn't isn't enough. You know, you've you know you've got a few players who do have that experience, like Ibrahimovic, but on the whole, it's really not. It's not the sort of it's not a sort of squad that's built to to last a full season, a full a full title a title contender season. So I mean, I'm not, I'm I haven't been particularly surprised by their maybe collapse is a bit strong, but they're just sort of downturn in form. Um, you know, you you talk you talk about whether he whether Pioli can uh, should change, but he, you know his. His hand has sort of been forced. I mean, the fact that he had, the fact that he had to play Salamak as a right back, the fact that he has to start the likes of Krunic and Castillejo, who, I mean, they're not they're not they're not wingers worthy of a title contending squad. So, I think yeah, the the end of the season should just be about trying to fight for Champions League football as much as possible and tying down Donnarumma to to a new contract. I think. Um, this afternoon, it came out that Ibrahimovic is pretty much nailed on to sign to sign on, which is a big uh, a big coup for them. And then they're looking at Vlahovic as a potential signing from Fiorentina, which would be probably take them up to a to another level to have a, that quality of striker to maybe not back up, but be alongside Ibrahimovic next season if they have got European commitments. So. It's, it's going to be a make or break end of the season for them. Well, of course, and, and if they get Vlahovic, perhaps that will allow them to rest Ibrahimovic a bit more. We've seen him pick up a couple of muscle injuries this season through perhaps playing a little bit more than Milan would really like him to. I thought Ibrahimovic was awful on the weekend, actually. Really, really bad. Um, I've said this for a while. I think his influence off the pitch is actually much more than on it nowadays. I think he started the season flying, but he's actually been pretty poor for a while now. And is the new Pippo Inzaghi just straying offside constantly? So, um, but that's my Ibrahimovic run. And there you go. Um, <laughs> On to harsh, Sam. Harsh. 
he was dreadful this weekend. Really, really bad. Come on. Um, it's okay. If we have a go at Castillejo, we can't just, you know, we can't just say that just because he's normally crap. We're also going to have a go at Zlatan. Um, step your game up, Zlatan. Um, I'm going to move on to Atalanta because whilst Milan were tough to watch this weekend, Atalanta weren't. They were bloody brilliant. Uh, they beat Udinese 3-2. Should have been a more comfortable victory, to be honest. James, I said this last season, actually, but are Atalanta now sort of with this new step and obviously Papu's behind them, Ilicic's sort of in the background now. Are they starting to build a team, though, that can, that can perhaps challenge for the Scudetto next year? I think, yeah, I mean, we were all saying that. I think this summer, it feels like it's been a, a process, which obviously it has for the last kind of four or five years, where they, I think they've been building that squad for the last kind of three or four years at least. Um, you know, you look at look at the squad, a few of them have been there for throughout that kind of period um, and they're starting to come into the kind of the peak time. And um, you look at kind of Muriel, Zapata, about 30 now, uh, Freuler, Gersons are all kind of around peak age and Malinovsky, who, who obviously was, was very good at the weekend. So I think they've got that core of the squad, which they have been building for the last few years, whether that's enough to to kind of to push for the title, I'm not I'm not really sure it is to be honest. It's, it feels like the peak, and it felt like this year was the one where they could really have a go for it, especially with Juve in transition um, and everything around kind of COVID. It felt like they had a, a squad which was properly settled uh, and properly had the quality to to try and go for it. Um, but I don't know, it feels like they just need something extra, whether that's a, a player or whether that's uh, something different. I'm not sure. It just feels like they need one more jump for me. Um, and whether that, whether that'll be next year, I'm not sure. It felt like it could have been this year and, and it might, they might have just missed the boat slightly in that respect. Um, but I'm sure they'll have some, some kind of things lined up in the summer, some business lined up. They always smart with the business. Um, I know they're looking at the Malmo centre-back and the Ahmed Hodgic. He looks an excellent player. If they can pick up one or two kind of bargains like that, um, I'm sure they'll go again. But it, it feels like it, it's kind of now or never, really. Um, coming towards that end of the cycle, it's, I think it has to be next season or I don't think it'll be within this cycle, really. Yeah, you picked out all the key players from the weekend there. Uh, Malinowski played a couple of lovely through balls. Um, and, of course, Muriel and Zapata got the goals. Uh, Francesco, going to come to you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how Lukaku and Lautaro are, are probably the best attacking partnership in Europe right now in terms of a front two. Do you think this season, given how much we've seen Muriel and Zapata playing more and more together, that that is possibly a partnership that can challenge Lukaku and Lautaro next year if they can stay together. Yeah, I think that Atalanta are now at their best with, with that front two and Pessina playing in behind. And that isn't something I thought I'd be saying, you know, in the summer because of how important Ilicic and Gomez were to Atalanta. I don't think any of us were expecting those two players to not be, you know, front and centre for, for them. And um, but I really like Mourinho and Zapata together. I think they work really well with Pessina coming from behind or Malinowski this weekend. And um, I do think that that they are one of the best strike duos in Europe, not just in Serie A but in Europe. 
I think for Atalanta, the problem is, or the problem could be, I should say, is that they still aren't at that status in terms of being a club that um, that is just able to keep hold of their players if they want to. I think if bigger clubs come in, and they could still get taken away. So players, for example, like Moriel, there's been rumours he might leave this summer already. I think Inter are sniffing around him. And that's going to be the difficulty for them. And the other thing is attracting bigger players. Um, you know, for me, Atalanta have, have grown into a legitimate big side in Italy, but possibly outside of Italy, they're still not seen that way. And so bringing in players from outside of Italy uh, who are going to make a difference, who are big enough and good enough to make a difference and make them a, you know, a title-challenging team is probably going to be a little bit trickier for them. But the main thing for them is keeping hold of, of the players they already have. I think that, that could be a challenge. Yeah, it will be, will be interesting. James, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I just look on kind of Zapata and Muriel. They, they seem, I mean, Muriel in particular, obviously, has not played quite as many minutes as Zapata. He seems happy with that. He seems happy with his kind of position in the squad. And I don't see why that either of them would really want to leave. I know whether if Inter come in with a big offer, it's difficult for them to refuse the size of, obviously, the size and, and where they are in the food chain. But I don't see why either of them would want to leave. They're playing in a, in, a, in a team which is set up for them to kind of to thrive. They're scoring goals. They look like they're having fun. I, I don't. The, the team they're going to be in the Champions League, I think, next year. I don't see why they why they'd want to leave really. So I th- I think they'll both be there next season, and I think um, we could be in for a, another another really kind of prolific season from both of them if they play together. But like I say, I feel like it's maybe the last stand for for that kind of group of of players. Um, but I don't see why they'd want to play anywhere else at the moment. Well, of course, um, yeah, that could well depend on whether they do make that top four. But right now it's looking good for them. And another team who's really making a push for that top four is Napoli. This was possibly the game of the weekend, actually. An absolute gorilla against Crotone. Um, they, they looked in control at 3-1. Then Crotone got it back to 3 all, But eventually Napoli coming out on top 4-3. Um, Raphael, um was this a sort of typical Napoli performance this season where you didn't really know what you were going to get? And having come out the, the right side of it and looking like they may well make the top four, do you think there's a decent chance now that Gattuso, Gattuso might stay beyond the summer? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a chaotic game, really. I mean, it was sort of a microcosm of the club season on and off the pitch. So, I mean, yeah, it definitely gave us entertainment. I think in terms of the the blistering attack that um, that Napoli have put together is, is is quite impressive. I mean, Insigne to to come back from the he, he was he was he was in he was in a bit of a poor spell at the start of the season and maybe midway through in the fact that the way he's come back into form has been quite impressive. I mean, his his assist for the second goal was Dicanio esque. So uh, it was some a lovely a lovely sort of move to set up um to set up the goal. Obviously you had Mertens for great free kick as well. So you had the good side of Napoli and then the not so good side with obviously you had Koulibaly out, which I mean that 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 defensive performance just showed how crucial he is to them, you know, as a as a defensive unit. You know, it you know shows why he's so highly rated and why he's why he's got that price tag on him. So, I think overall, I think given that Juventus are just 
you know they're not in a they're not in a in a good way right now, and then they are going to be playing each other on Wednesday. I think they could possibly overtake Juventus for that for that top four position, and then whether Gattuso will stay on is you know it's in the balance really. I think it, it seemed like a foregone conclusion really for most of the season that he would leave, just because there there have been so many disagreements with with um, with De, De Laurentiis and the fact that. You know they and they're not. He's he's never really been there as a as a long term solution, but yeah, if, if he if he can manage a top four finish, then I think I think they'll they'll probably come back to the negotiating table, and maybe hash out a new deal, but yeah, anything is possible with Napoli. Yeah, we'll be interested to see what happens with Gattuso. I actually saw one report last night linking him with Fiorentina. I don't know how much truth there is in that but uh, there you go I think Fiorentina are linked with a few different managers but I just want to touch on Crotone actually because I think we've all not really given them much of a chance of staying up all season and it seems that they won't but they have been involved in some really good games actually so James do you think maybe they deserve a bit more credit as you know we've had some truly dreadful teams in Serie A over the years they're not one of them really are they? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that is fair. But, I mean, I think you're right. It's not going to be enough. They're, they're too far adrift now. But they've certainly been involved in some good games, like you're saying. They've given a really good account of themselves. I mean, Simi, of course, will take the headlines. He's, I think, 15 goals now this season. And he's uh, some of them have been lovely as well. So I'm sure a couple of a couple of squads will be looking at him and thinking that he can add something to them. So you're absolutely right. The, the bottom of the table, and, and probably deservedly so, but they have put up a more than a good fight. And that's what we like to see. It's not good for anybody when you when you have teams who, who just come and, and get battered every week. So nobody likes to see that. But it's not going to be enough, I don't think. Yeah, that does seem to be the case. Um, and then just moving slightly down the table, then we had a sort of match between two sides either in the Europa League places or just below. And that, that was Roma against Sassuolo. Uh, well, Sassuolo-Roma, actually. Sassuolo were at home. Uh, this was a really good game. All, sort of a basketball-type game, this one. Really end-to-end stuff. Ended 2-2. But Francesco, we've seen in the space of about three weeks, Roma dropped from third to seventh. Did you sort of always suspect this was going to be the case? And what, if anything, can they do to arrest this slump? Yeah, they've had a tough month, I guess, really. Uh, the last few games, they've dropped a few points. They were they were third not that long ago. But I do, I always had the feeling that they weren't really a top four side in Serie A. I think we've seen with their games against the bigger sides this season, how they've struggled for points. Um, and uh, up until... You know, the last kind of few games, they what had kept them in the top four was they'd been solid against the smaller sides. They'd always beaten everyone they should have beaten. Um, and that stopped happening now. And I think they're five points away from uh, the Champions League places now. I, I can't see them making that gap up from now until the end of the season. Um, you know, I think they'll probably finish OK and they'll finish in the Europa League places. Uh, for me, if I was a, a Roma fan or a Roma player, a Roma director, I'd be saying let's focus on the Europa League. I think they still have um, an outside chance of, of winning that competition. Um, they've got a decent draw in the next round. And I don't think there are any teams left in that competitions that Roma on their day couldn't couldn't compete with. So for me, I think 
you know, they're not going to get into the Champions League through the league now. I think uh, the Europa League is, is what they should be focusing on. Yeah, they do seem to be sort of slipping further and further away. James, did you want to say something on Roma? Yeah, I just wanted to say you, you kind of asked what they need to do. I think maybe maybe not this season, but what they what they need, I think, is a proper goal scorer. They don't really they don't have one at all. And if you look at the other other teams around, you know, that top seven, they've all got barring maybe Milan. We talk about Zlatan and, and his issues. Everybody else has got someone who's going to get you 15, 20 goals a season. Uh, and Roma don't really. So I think what they need is to get a proper goal scorer to to maybe replace Dzeko. Um, Raf spoke earlier about Vlahovic. I think he would be somebody that Roma could would be looking at as well. Um, young, got lots of potential. Um, he's in a similar kind of mould to Dzeko. So that's what I'd be looking at if I was, uh, like Francesco, if I was a Roma director or... Uh, in a warped reality, I think they'd be in a very different position, probably much further down the leagues. But uh, that, that's what I'd be looking at. Uh, uh, what I would say on that is, I think, I think in Zeko they already have a goal scorer, and for me, right now the second, I don't know about Vlaovic in the future. I think he's got great potential, but right now Zeko is a better player than Vlaovic. I think this season he's had, I think he's had a fallen out with the with the coach, and that's. Uh, you know, that's affected um, his performances. But Zeko is still a top striker for me. And I, I think, you know, if they, they would struggle to pick up a better player than, than him in that position now. And I also think that actually one of the best signings they made last season was Amayor Albuk. Amayor he's, um he's had a tidy for a season. He scored a few goals as well. So I think up front, they're, they're OK. Um, and yeah, I... You know, I'm a big fan of Zeko. I think he's he's still got a lot to offer. If uh, you know, if he's not falling out with the coach and the and the, the directors and stuff. Yeah, I think that is the big issue. He, you know, he hasn't been starting anywhere near as much the second half of the season, and it seems that has mostly been down to disputes off the pitch. And he is now 35, so we have to see how long he can keep going for. Um, Moving on to Sassuolo, this was more like the Sassuolo we were seeing in the first sort of dozen weeks of the season. I mean, really, this game could have ended up with any three results, and I don't think either team could have complained. But this this was better from Sassuolo, don't you think, Raphael? And if anyone is going to break into that top seven, which have sort of broken away this year, do you think they're probably best placed to do so next year? I think it's definitely impressive when you when you take into account that they actually sidelined their three Italian internationals for the game. Yeah, Caputo, Ferrari, and um, and Locatelli were all out because of because they were worried about the um, sort of the COVID outbreak in the Italy squad, which, as a side note, seems to be seems to be growing by the hour. We've had a Cranio and um, yeah, Cranio earlier earlier today testing positive, and that's five players since they've since they've returned from international duty who have, who have tested positive. So that's something to keep an eye on. But um, it obviously seems like Sassuolo have been wise in their choice to, to leave them out. But um, yeah, in a, in, a more, in a more general sense, going back to Sassuolo, it does seem like they rediscovered a bit of that spot that they had at the start of the season. I mean, you know, we were raving about them when they, when they went up to second place. And then, you know, and then things sort of started to fall apart midway through the season. But 
they still have that they still have that very very dynamic style of play that did ZB Sport in. Um, obviously, yeah, things could have gone things could have gone differently, and they could have they could have taken all three points at the at the weekend. I mean, I think it was uh, Bogger who had a who had a, who missed an open goal at one point just before they actually scored the equaliser. So, yeah, it was end to end stuff really, and. If they can carry on in that in that manner, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to break into the top seven again. Yeah, it was certainly much better from them compared to what we we're seeing around sort of Christmas time and early in 2021. Um, but a team that did go above Roma uh, this weekend were their rivals, Lazio. Lazio now um, giving themselves a chance in this top four race. Uh, Francesco, I, I know we've spoken about how thin their squad is in the past. But they do have a habit of grinding out results at the moment. Um, you know, this was a really tight game against Spezia, but they got the 2-1 win. Um, can, can you see them may, maybe, uh, you know, pushing ahead of Napoli and Juventus? Or do you think this run of tight wins will run out j- just before the end of the season and ultimately see them fall into the Europa League places? Uh, I can't really see it, no. I think... Um... Yeah, sorry to any Lazio fans out there, but um, for me, the other teams you've just mentioned have got just a lot more to them. They've got, especially in terms of depth, I think Lazio really struggle when their best five or six players aren't playing well. You know, it doesn't take much for them to drop off from form as a team because only a few of their players need to stop playing well and it seems to affect the whole team. Um, you know, they have picked up a few tight wins, but it doesn't feel that sustainable. I think what Atalanta and, uh, and Napoli are doing feels a lot more sustainable. I, I think they're going to pick up more points on Lazio from now until the end of the season. Um, and yeah, I, I just, uh, I think they might have a decent finish, but I, I think Europa League is, uh, is probably where they'll finish. I, I can't see them breaking into the top four again. And I guess... For Lazio, then it's, it's where do they go from here? Because there's nothing to suggest that. To me, it feels like every time they qualify for the Champions League, it's a kind of a mini miracle because they don't have the same resources and they don't have the same depth of squad as the other teams up there. So Inzaghi's having to pull off these amazing seasons. I mean, even this season, he hasn't done badly. He had a good European run. Um, you know, they've been decent in the league. It's not, you know, they're 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 where they should be. I think if you if their position reflects the quality of their squad. So what else can you ask of Inzaghi? And I suppose the danger for Lazio is that they, they, you know, they start losing their, their more important players and they lose him as a manager. Um, it's to go places and qualify for the Champions League. I don't think Lazio are high up on my, on my list of teams where I'd like to go and play. I think you know, you're better off going to Atalanta or, or Inter, or obviously Inter or Napoli. You know, even Roma, the other teams around there, I feel like they have, in terms of potential and in terms of ambition they seem more ready to really kind of kick on and become a team that can qualify and regularly qualify for the Champions League, which I just don't see with Lazio. Yeah, of course. I, I think Lazio do deserve a bit of credit, though, at the moment, because they are pulling out these results without Chiro Immobile performing well. as He seems to be in horrible form at the moment, had a really poor international break where you know, he scored a last-minute penalty against Lithuania and looked like he wanted to beat himself up, really. Um, and he, again, wasn't great on the weekend. Uh, but talking about Spezia, their goal this weekend was sensational. Um, Verdi with a 
sort of bicycle kick, if you will. Uh, Raphael, have you seen a better goal this season in Syria? And if so, name it for me, please. I don't think there's been any the the top that one really, but I think you know the one that I would that I would think about is um, Zakani's overhead kick against Betsy actually for uh, for Verona earlier on in the season. I mean that's probably the one that pushes it to pushes it the most. But yeah, no, I don't think I don't think any many of them really top that one. I'm I'm never a massive fan of overhead kicks. I must say, I mean I did enjoy this because it was it really did belt into the net. Always looks better when it comes off the bar, doesn't it? But I have to say, I'm watching Benevento Palmer that uh, uh, I think it was the the two the second goal for Benevento Ionita header. I much prefer to see something like that. He really just <laughs> a, a proper puts his head through it. I much prefer to see something like that. But he is spectacular. It's a crowd pleaser in it, so it probably will win. But uh, yeah, Rainer absolutely no chance. He's 40-odd now, isn't he? So pushing that way feels like he's never getting anywhere near that, is he? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with James a little bit on this. I, I think with these kinds of goals, there's always quite a big element of luck. I mean... Don't get me wrong, on the Yuri Jorkaev scale of a red kicks, it's up there. It's probably a solid seven. But uh, for me, the best goal, um, you know, in my opinion, that I've seen this season is probably the, I think it is the second or the third goal in the derby, the Milan derby that Inter scored. It's kind of a move from their, from their right back area all the way up through the pitch. It involved seven or eight players and ended up with Lautaro Martinez kind of tapping it in. And it was a really fluid goal. And for me, that is still a better goal than this one. Your but, team you know, goal man, your team goal man, Francesco. I think, yeah, I think they have more merit to them. It felt, it feels a lot more deliberate. Uh, you know, you can really see the the skill and the deliberateness of the goal, and I think that's important with these goals. Also, I think there is a there is a touch of shin in this goal. I don't know how you guys feel about that. <laughs> Definitely a bit of shin. It's clean. Has, has he got a touch of the Roonies against Man City's about it's it? Not, it's not as bad as that. It's not full <laughs> shin. There's a little bit of shin. A hint yeah. of shin. Uh, I know what you mean. Actually, um, you mentioned, I, I, I'm going to do a shameless plug here now. Uh, I wrote a piece on the best five Milan derby goals. Um, and one of them I actually named from the earlier uh, Milan derby this season. Uh, I had in the top five Ibrahimovic's second goal, which was starting right by Milan's corner flag. Salamakas did a sort of, flick to get past his man and they work their way up the pitch and eventually it was a tap in for Ibrahimovic so if you want to read that it's on the Guardian somewhere so I know we've got plenty of listeners who want to read that so get it read it sir yeah. excellent um, yeah read, read it again guys <laughs> so yeah but, but yeah we'll have a look at the end of the season and I'm sure that will make the short list at least so well done to Verdi um and talking about Spezia, we're now going to talk about teams that are really in that relegation dogfight. And we're going to move on to Benevento Parma. Uh, I'm going to come to you, James, seeing as you did talk about Ian Eater's goal. Um, and there were, this was really good. I keep saying really good game, but this was another really good game. Um, Benevento went ahead twice, but Parma pulled back uh, on both occasions. Good fighting spirit from them. But do you feel that they really needed to get all three points on this occasion? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think they're not, they're not quite in that territory just yet. I think it, it's obviously Benevento are down there, and if if 
anyone's going to replace Palmer or, um, or Cagliari in there. It's going to be probably Benevento or Spezia. So in that regard, it was a, obviously a six-pointer, but I don't think they're quite in that territory yet. I think there's still enough of the season to go and they're, they're close enough that it's it's not a must-win kind of scenario at the moment. So I think it's it's disappointing because obviously the offside uh, decision was was one that could have really gone either way and disappointing not to get the points in that regard. But I think that the way they equalised pretty late on as well, I think it's more a point gained rather than two dropped in the way that I'd see it. I think there's just enough to go um, that they don't have to start beating themselves up about not, not winning these games just yet. Obviously, they need to win them sooner or later. Um, but I think at the moment, it's, it's not quite must-win territory for them. Yeah, I, I was going to touch on that disallowed goal. Raphael, I'm not sure if you saw it. It was, you know, header from a corner. I'm trying to think who the offside player was, but I personally didn't think the goalkeeper was going to get there anyway. Have you got an opinion on it, or do you think it was fair enough that it was ruled out? I only saw it briefly in the highlights, but I think, to me, it seemed offside from my from my first glance. I didn't really think too much of it when I... When I saw it, so he, he, yeah. he was offside, but it's just about I'm not sure how much he was interfering with play, and it was one of those where the keeper made the most of it. Like, oh, of course I'd have dived and saved it if he wasn't there, but I'm not yeah. really convinced he would have. So I feel a bit for Palmer on that one, but I'll stay with you, Raphael. Um, moving on to Cagliari, who are the other side in that bottom three right now. Uh, they lost to Verona 2-0. And, and it was a tighter game than the scoreline suggests. Verona got a breakaway goal at the end. But Cagliari, really, it looks like if João Pedro isn't going to score, probably no one is going to. And is that ultimately going to cost them? Or, you know, there's so much experience in that side. We're talking about Nyangalan, Godin, even Rugani, given his experiences at Juventus over the years. Will does that give them a glimmer of hope, or are you really fearing for them now? I mean, to be honest, yeah, I'm, I'm fearing for them. I think you look at their you look at the their fellow relegation contenders. I think Palmer are going to overtake them eventually. Palmer clearly playing much better this. They've, well, they've been playing much better in these these past few weeks. And I think eventually that will translate to uh, overtaking Cagliari at least. I don't know if that'll lift them out of the relegation zone but I mean that's that depends on how uh, how well Torino do but I mean, yeah Cagliari you know they've they've just been in free for the these uh, these past few weeks uh, it's which is which is interesting because they, they did have a slight upturn in form when um, right after the Francesco was sacked but it seems to have just settled in, down into that that rut again and yeah, I mean, we talk about the experience of these players, but I mean, there's there's a there's also a reason they've ended up at Cagliari. I think, you know, Godin clearly isn't the player that he used to be. Uh, Rugani's come off pretty average uh, loan spell in France, from uh, from what I've seen in Liga. Um, you know, Nyingolen obviously isn't isn't the player he used to be either. And yeah, it's. I mean, you would expect you would expect players of that quality anyway to sort of pull through and put together a, a solid season anyway. But I think yeah, it's just been a, a set of circumstances which has gone gone against them. And 
the fact that they are relying on one single player to score goals is never a good sign. Yeah, of course, you mentioned how Torino are sort of spreading out the goals a bit more now. That doesn't seem to be the case at Cagliari. And interesting point on Godin as well. I think he's been quite a disappointment in Serie A, to be honest, given how good he was for about a decade in La Liga. Um, he, you know, poor at Inter and not much better at Cagliari. Um Final game of the weekend, Genoa Fiorentina. This was one all. We talked about Vlahovic and he did get Fiorentina's goal in this one. Um, Francesco, both these sides going to be okay, do you think? Or, you know, Fiorentina in particular, are they still maybe just looking over their shoulder? They're about, I think they're eight points clear at the moment, but things obviously can tighten up in the final weeks. Yeah, I think they're both going to be okay. I think um, Fiorentina haven't been amazing this season, but they have got someone who's scoring goals. You know, James just mentioned how important it's for people to, to have a goal scorer and... Blaovic has been doing it for them this season and uh, that's made a big difference to them. I think I think they've got kind of a, the best part of kind of seven or eight points above uh, the relegation zone. It's quite a big uh, difference. eight points, yeah. And um, yes, and generally even, even better off. So I think both of those teams are going to be all right. The other thing I'd mentioned, we, we spoke a bit about the Azzurri this week and... Uh, about how Immobile struggled. Bellotti also didn't have a great international week and Destro scored this weekend for Genoa again. He's had a really great second half of the season. I think, you know, Mancini should be thinking about giving this guy a chance. Um, it's probably one of the positions, you know, Italy looked pretty good, I think, generally, going into this Euros. But one of the positions that I'm not 100% sure about is their centre-forward. And tr- giving Destro a game, I think, makes sense. He's He's been... In the second half of the season, he's been as good as Immobile and, and Bellotti, if not better. So, you know, I, I really like him as a player. He's got great movement. He's good in the air. He's the kind of player who, who would fit in with that team, I think, from a technical point of view. So, yeah, I think he would be worth a try. Yeah, I think Mancini even mentioned maybe using Bernadeschi as a false nine. So that's how desperate things have become up front for Italy. These players not sort of transferring their club form to... The international stage, but um, James, just just going to come to you because you said that you know not necessarily a must-win game for Palmer this past week, but as things stand, it's looking like two out of three from Palmer, Cagliari, and Torino. Is that how you see it, or you know, I think Spezia was seven clear, and then Benevento and Fiorentina eight clear at the moment. Any of those three getting dragged in for you, or is it only one of Palmer, Cagliari, and Torino to survive? I think, uh, I think in the end it will be three of those. I think Spetsian and Benevento are the two that might just get pulled in just because of their... It's been a good season for both of them if you look at the table and some of the wins they've managed to kind of put together. So there's that tiredness, tired legs might kick in towards the end of the season and as the pressure ramps up, they might just find themselves falling slightly. But I, I think they'll both be OK. And I do think it'll be three of those four uh, that are down there right now. I mean, <laughs> I said it wasn't a must-win for Palmer. And it, having said that, it, obviously every game's a must-win. But I think, um, yeah, I think it'll be three of those four. And I think it will actually be the three that are there now. I think Torino, I just can't see them can't see them going down. I think they've got too much to... I think they've got players that will uh, step up when they really need to... Um, Bellotti being the, obviously the prime example. Um, I, I don't know what the other boys think, but I can't really see uh, anybody else other than the three that are there now. 
Yeah, any, any anyone got a different view on that, or are you going with the three currently in the bottom three? Uh, I I don't I think they're still up for grabs. So I think Panama still with a chance. The only thing I'd say is that this weekend Torino in the end had a what could have been a difficult weekend for them. They had a pretty good weekend because I think Parma and um, Cagliari had winnable games. I know Verona have had a good season, but they're not really playing for anything now. And uh, Parma could definitely have you know I think that's a game you can win. Benevento haven't been in great form. And with, with Torino managing to draw with Juve, it's probably a better weekend than they were expecting to have. But having said that, I think Torino have been pretty rubbish all season. I think they play the worst football in the league. I think, when I, you know, watching them against... This this weekend, they were actually a bit better. But I think the fact that it was such a messy game where Juve were all over the place helped them. But normally, it looks like they could play for weeks without scoring. I mean, against Inter, they could play for two weeks without scoring. I don't know how they, I didn't see the game against Sassuolo. I don't know how they scored three goals because it never looks like they're going to score Torino. Mm. And so I do think it's up for grabs. I think Coyote, you know, they're only a couple of points behind. I know they have, a lot of their kind of higher-profile players haven't played well this season, but they are still there. And you don't know if they, you know, there's still 10 games left. If they put a bit of form together, I'd say on paper, they have a better side than Torino. So there's definitely a chance. And Padma have been good in the last few weeks, even though they probably haven't picked up as much points as they should have. And they're not that far behind now. So it's, they're not out of the running either. I think it's, it's up for grabs. I do think that the teams above those those four are safe, though. Sorry, Rafa. No, you I, I just want to... I think Torino were just difficult to beat. I think that's what will keep them up, is that they, they don't... The others... You know, they, they, they'll maybe have a good result one week and then they'll go and be comfortably beaten. Torino are difficult to beat. So that, I think that'll, that's what stands them in good, better stead uh, than the teams around them. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. They're, they're tough to beat, but going forwards, they are rub- horrible to watch, yeah. rubbish. A bit like the sort of Newcastle of the Serie A. Looks like they might just stay up, but God, it's, it's a tough watch. Um Okay, so that was that was the Easter weekend gone. Uh, but as as we sort of alluded to a couple of times, there are a couple of midweek games coming up. Uh, we're going to start with Juve Napoli, and I'll come to you, Raphael. Um, obviously, Napoli are in the better form right now, but Juve have home advantage. This is a game that should have been played about six months ago. It's been delayed about fourteen times. Now that it's arrived, how do you see it playing out? Yeah, I mean, as as I said, I think Napoli are going to take it. I think you know they're they're going in with the better form. They've got a few players injured, um, and generally who are out. But yeah, I think given the given the chaos at Juve right now, it's hard to see them winning. Which yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the sense of occasion will bring out the best of Juventus. I mean, that's that's the only thing that. I'm, might that sort of might tip the uh, tip the scales in their favour. You know the fact that the fact that this has been um, you know postponed so many times. I think it's match day number three that they're that they're playing. That they're yeah, playing not, here, not, four, so. not fourteen times rescheduled, but it's been at least three or four times rescheduled. I think so. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know with all the controversy around it, and you know the whole the, all the appeals that have been that have been going on. I think. I mean, the sense of expectation and the sense of the sense of occasion, really, that's going to that's going to be sort of attached to the, the game might you know might bring out a different Juve than than what we've been seeing in the past few weeks. But I think it's unlikely. I think that I think yeah, Napoli will take a big step towards potentially securing that that top four spot above Juventus. Yeah, I just wonder whether 
you know, with this being, you know, with all the background behind this game, it does seem that this this is going to be a bit of a spicy occasion, almost like a derby. And do you think, James, perhaps that could suit Juve in that this is going to be all about the result. It doesn't matter how badly they play or what's gone before. It's going to be 90 minutes back to back to the wall stuff. And that could really suit Juve sort of coming out fighting. Is that how you maybe see it playing out for them? Uh, no, I think actually I see it the other way. I think Napoli have much more fight about them, um, much more kind of dogged. The way that I see this Juventus, whether that's fair or not, is they just lack a little bit of fight. They lack a little bit of desire and things aren't going their way. They're not, they're not used to things not going their way or they haven't been over the past decade. A lot of the players are, are different. A lot of them are still have been there for a while. So I think, I mean, if you look at the two managers, even the way they played, the way they played themselves in their careers. Gattuso is the one who you'd, who you'd want in your corner if you, you've got your back to the wall and you, you desperately uh, need three points. I mean, I'm a Liverpool fan, obviously, watch it, coming back to the kind of the Champions League final, the penalty shootout, per, watch Perlow going up for that penalty. And if you tell me if you want him in the trenches with you, absolutely not. He looks a, a shell of a man. He's absolutely everything, nothing behind his eyes, you know. So you, you put the two managers there together. Um, Gattuso is the one that I'd want in my corner every day of the week. So if it's a straight fight, I think Napoli will come out and bare their teeth, and I think they'll, I think they'll destroy them. Actually, I know I put my, I said last time we had the uh, the Milan derby. I went for a big win for. For in, oh, no, I, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, anyway, you, to be fair, you did say Inter would come out comfortably yeah, on top in that game, and they did. So I'm, I'm going to go the same your, Will your streak continue, or your, yeah. or is your lucky run at an end? How about three you, Francesco? What three nil Napoli. Three nil Napoli. I think there's quite an interesting uh, tactical perspective on this match. Um, I think one of the things both these managers have done recently is played a four-four-two. Um, Gattuso did it this weekend and Pirlo's been doing it consistently over the last few games I don't think it's really worked for either of them um, I do think that Napoli's recent run of form has been has coincided with Gattuso going back to his favourite formation which is a 4-3-3 with those three for me very good midfielders of Fabian Ruiz Zielinski and Dan Holding. I think that was a game changer for them that's when they really came into form again and I think I hope he's I hope for Napoli's sake he's not tempted into playing those two strikers again, Aussie men and Mertens. They're obviously both great players. They both scored yesterday, and um, you know they both bring a lot to the to the game. But I think one of the ways that you can hurt this current Juve team is in the midfield where they're currently playing with two players. And if you outnumber them there with the quality that Napoli have, I think that could be a big help for them. So if 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 Napoli go back to the way they were playing before Crotone with the four three three then I, I really fancy them a bit, and especially if Pirlo carries on with this 4-4-2, which I, I just don't really think it works. It gives up a midfield. A midfield is already struggling. If you take a player out as well, I think I think then you'll uh, that's, that's one of the difficulties they've had. So I think that's interesting to see if Gattuso goes back to a 4-3-3 to take on this side. Yeah, we'll have to see whether he matches up with Juve or, or does go back to that 4-3-3. And then, of course, the other match we have is Inter Sassuolo. Um you know, Inter eight points clear with a game in hand. This is their game in hand. But Sassuolo have been a bit of a bogey team for them over the years. And, you know, last year, I think this game ended 3 all, And it was around about this time of the season as well. And Galliardini missed from a yard. Um, and in the end, you know, Inter lost the title by a point. 
it was wrapped up with a couple of games to go. But but what I'm saying is they have been a bogey team. Can you see them causing into problems this weekend, Raphael? Sorry, or, or midweek, Wednesday. Yeah, definitely. I think on the evidence of the past two games, that's what I have got their their spark back. They're, they're definitely they're definitely going to cause into some problems, especially if they do bring back in those those Italian internationals who they sort of sidelined over the weekend. And you know, if Inter play like they did on uh, against Bologna, then I think an upset is definitely on. Yeah, well, we, we've seen that Inter have sort of been grinding out results. Could that run perhaps come to an end? What do you think, James? I'm just going to say, I think um, the pertinent point is that it, it, it generally, I don't think it matters. I think um, they may well get something to swallow. Obviously, they've picked up, the, like you say, there's history there, but I think it just it doesn't matter really at this point. Inter look too good. Um, for, for anything to affect them. I know the kind of pats are into it's It's not really shown yet. And maybe this is the weekend of the game where it does. But uh, I think it, it's not going to really affect too much whether they whether they don't, whether they drop points here or not. How about you, Francesco? I know that, you know, sometimes when a team's quite far clear and then one result can sort of lead to a bit of a domino effect where, you know, perhaps they lose and then they get a couple of draws and all of a sudden things tighten up again. Any chance of that being a scenario or have Inter got it wrapped up and you expect them to come through this one as well? I I think they're, uh, I mean, that, that is a possible scenario, but I think it's becoming increasingly unlikely. I think Inter only needs 16 points now to win the league That's, and there are 30 on offer, so they can afford to actually lose two or three or even four matches from now till the end of the season. Sassuolo is a tricky fixture and I agree with Rafael that they probably need to be a bit better than they were against Bologna and probably a bit better than they've been in the last two or three games where they have, uh, you know, struggled a bit, especially going forwards. But they have been extremely solid defensively. And yeah, I think, you know, they probably aren't feeling that much pressure at the moment because they have such a big lead. It feels like the other sides around them are under a lot more pressure to, to kind of sustain their pace, whereas into, like I said, they can afford to, to drop a few points and probably still be okay. So, and that probably helps them, you know, going into matches because they do feel that more relaxed and they probably play a little bit better. Yeah, well, a couple of really interesting midweek games coming up with, with some excellent sides involved. So we'll see how those ones play out. And then on Thursday, of course, we've got the return of the Europa League. And this is probably the tastiest clash of the four Europa League ones, uh, Roma playing Ajax. Raphael, can Roma put their league woes behind them, do you think? Or are Ajax going to prove too strong? It seems like they've been able to sort of put, put their league form aside in the in Europa League fixtures so far. I mean, we saw they blew away Shakhtar. Although, in fairness, Fonseca probably had a lot of insider info about Shakhtar and probably helped to, to beat them but yeah I think I think it's definitely within their reach um, I think the news today is that El Sharawi is going to be going to have to sit it out for a muscle injury but even then you know I, I think I think in general they'll they won't they won't mind you know they're, they're probably setting aside their league form in favour of you know go, going as far as they can in the cup so yeah, I think I think we'll see. We'll definitely see a different Roma side to what we saw against Sassuolo. Even if 
there have been a few uh, a few media reports of uh, a bit of tension at the uh, Roma training ground these past few days, especially after the Sassuolo result between uh, Fonseca and the squad. So that's something to look out for as well. Yeah, we've seen quite serene progress from Roma through this competition. So, you know, I'm sure this one will be more difficult, but we'll have to see. I actually saw a report linking Fonseca with Crystal Palace uh, today. So... I, I think he can do better than that. But, you know, I, yeah, I'm just seeing these reports. I'm Don't shoot the messenger. Um, but we'll move on from that. Uh, don't go to Palace, Fonseca. Um, is Roy going the other way? Roy back in Serie yeah. yeah, Yeah, Roy's going to Roma. Uh, he's going to pick up Roberto oh, Carlos um, <laughs> and try and repatch that relationship. Um but we okay. We're going to look ahead to the weekend games. Just want to get a quick outline of what games you're looking forward to. So, James, anything particular that catches your eye? Um, I think it's quite a uh, a bland almost set of fixtures, if it can be. Yeah, they don't look that impressive, to be no. fair. No, I, I mean Spezia Crotone might be something to look out for. Uh, maybe Crotone can begin a fight back and Spezia might start sinking. That's something maybe to keep an eye on. Um, Lazio, Elas might be a decent game. Maybe Elas can can show their credentials for, for kind of breaking into that top group uh, next season. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's 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 going to be a steady weekend. I think no doubt someone somewhere will uh, will pop up with a with a roller coaster of a game. Um, but yeah, either way, it's great just to just to just to watch some footy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to Fiorentina Atalanta personally. That's mm. been a bit of a cracking fixture last couple of years. Remember their Coppa Italia semi final from a couple of years ago is really good. Anything else catch your eye, Francesco? Uh, for me, uh, Padma Milan is an interesting game. I quite fancy Padma in that one. I think Milan are struggling at the moment. Uh, you know, we mentioned how Padma have been playing quite well, but not picking up results. And, you know, there's a lot riding on that match for both teams. So, yeah, it's that is the one of most interest to me. Um, and, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be too surprised if Padma win that. Yeah, they've been picking up results. What about you, Raphael? Yeah, I'm going to say Sampdoria Napoli personally out of... Uh, I think overall it's not not the most appetising set of fixtures, I would agree. But I think Sampdoria Napoli, if, if Sampdoria play like they did against Milan, then there's definitely a lot of goals in that game to to look out for. So uh, that's my pick at least. Yeah, with the resources they've got, Sampdoria doing a... Ranieri's doing a fine job at Sampdoria this year. Uh, so they could cause Napoli problems. I, I agree with you there. Um but yeah, we'll have to see. Often the, the weekends that don't look the best on paper turn out to be crackers. So let's hope that's the case. Uh, but thanks a lot for joining me, guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you all had a great Easter. And um, yeah, take a listen. And uh, we'll catch you soon. All right. Bye-bye.